Agnostics, agnostics, long-haired weirdos, short-haired weirdos, vandals, Welcome to the Politics Guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Michael Baranowski, a professor of political science at Northern Kentucky University. I'm joined today by not one, but two conservative counterparts, just like for the weekend show, Jay and May. Welcome back, guys. Hey, you're, you're holding your own, Mike. I'm doing, I'm doing what I can. Yeah. Uh, battered, but not beaten yet, I guess. So uh, uh, there was a bunch, as always, that we didn't get to during the weekend show that we're looking forward to talking about, especially one case I know I've been following. And uh, May, I think you can kick us off on this, the case about uh, a federal judge and Pennsylvania mail-in ballots. Yes. So, um Pennsylvania, you can mail in your ballot as you can with most places. The election code uh, requires you to fill out, date, and sign your declaration um, on an outer return envelope. Um, There are some people who don't do that. They either put nothing there, they put their birthday there, they put I don't know. They just make up a date. I, I don't know. There's just a variety of ways that people can screw up the date. And uh, those votes uh, were basically kind of held in abeyance, not counted. And the question is, what should we do with them? So there's a there was a lawsuit and it is Pennsylvania State Conference of the NAACP. So our, our weekend show also an NAACP case versus Al Schmidt, who was the then or is the acting secretary of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Um, and the lawsuit is actually one that is and my organization, Restoring Integrity and Trust in Elections, actually participated in this lawsuit. We tried to intervene. We were not allowed. Um, and so we wrote an amicus brief. But there's a provision of the Civil Rights Act called the materiality provision that um, one certain lawyer, Mark Elias, uh, is definitely trying to push as a new thing to try and bring uh, election law challenges. And what the materiality provision says um, is, and I'm going to just read it, that uh, a state can't deny the right of any any individual to vote in any election because of an error or omission on any record or paper relating to any application, registration, or other act requisite to voting if the error or omission is not material in determining whether an individual is qualified under state law to vote. A lot of words, but the sort of paradigmatic example of what it was meant to capture is, let's just say state law says you have to be 18 or probably at the time 21 to vote. And then you get to, uh, you go to register and you say, all right, I'd like, I'm, you know, I'm a black voter. I'd like to vote. And they say, how many months old are you? And you don't know how many months. And so they say, oh, you can't vote because you don't know how many months old you are. Well, the statute never says, or the requirement to vote never says you need to know how many uh, months old you are. It says years. And so you are disqualifying someone uh, based on an error that is immaterial. 
to determining whether that person is qualified under state law to vote. Okay, so how does that relate to dating your ballots? And here's where I think that this court screwed it totally up. So uh, the court said dating your ballot is not material to voting. It doesn't, it, it matters when your ballot was received. But it doesn't matter whether it wasn't dated, it was dated the wrong date, you put your birthday, like that's not material. Okay, fair point. Maybe there's some other law that applies to the date requirement. But in my opinion, it is not the materiality provision for a couple of reasons. One, the materiality provision has to do with being qualified to vote, i.e. registration. So this was about denying people the franchise. Not whether once you have the franchise, whether you screw it up. Whoops, I accidentally thought uh, election day was Wednesday rather than Tuesday. I screwed it up. No one denied me the right to vote, but I did something wrong. And so once you think about the materiality provision in that lens, which is they're not supposed to put these unnecessary hurdles up for you to become a voter. And and if uh, and if you think of it as are, is the state having you do something stupid while you vote or did you do something stupid, something like that? I think that that's the wrong lens. But either way, this was not a surprising decision. The Third Circuit before has basically said the exact same thing that this judge said. Like, if there's something that we don't like about your voting process, we're going to strike it down. Um, The Supreme Court has, uh, Justice Alito has has basically said that he prefers my reading, but um, that's just one guy. So this is something that is going on in multiple other states. The Supreme Court is going to have to address it. But in the meantime, Pennsylvania cannot enforce its dating requirements. So you can put you can, you know, put your dog's paw on the date and it doesn't matter. It is an immaterial requirement and um, and that vote will be counted. Uh, So. Uh, I guess we'll start with our our token non-conservative. <laughs> um, well, Mike. Yeah. What I, do we think? Well, yeah, yeah. I think I think you make a, a good point about the materiality, the understanding the materiality provision because it's pretty clear. It says about anything relating to any application, registration, or other act requisite to voting. And voting is not an act requisite to voting. It is voting. And so to me, the plain language reading of this means that this only would apply to anything leading up to the vote. And while I might think that as a matter of whatever principle it is, or maybe there is another provision that would that would, that would kick in here. But, yeah, I don't see how the materiality that how that how that applies here. So and I understand that the court was uh, when the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court looked at this. I believe they were split three to three on whether or not making these dates mandatory is a violation of the provision. And to me, it just doesn't apply to voting. Maybe it should, but it doesn't. So, yeah, I I agree with you. Uh, I I agree with you there, I guess. Maybe you guys are surprised at that. But, you know, it says what it says, right? Uh, So there you go. I guess to me, and this was something, if I understand the case correctly, and may I think you have a deeper understanding of it than I do. There was another claim that was raised that that wasn't considered, but that came up, and that was an equal protection claim. And as, as I understand Pennsylvania law, state law allows for undated or improperly dated 
military and overseas ballots to be counted. But if I read the opinion correctly, the judge didn't rule on that, saying that it was uh, unnecessary constitutional adjudication, meaning that he could decide it on statutory grounds, didn't need to look at the constitutional issue. But it seems to me if that is the case, in fact, that they're allowing military and overseas ballots to be counted with 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 a wrong date or no date and not from domestic, you know, in the state of Pennsylvania ballots, that does seem to me to raise a very relevant and important equal protection issue. So I actually don't have a set opinion on this because, as you say, it was not the primary basis for the challenge. And so it wasn't even something that my organization even briefed in our uh, amicus brief. And it consumes maybe like one and a half pages of we're not going to address this in the opinion. Um, But certainly there is a principle and it comes up in Pennsylvania a lot because Pennsylvania gives their counties quite a bit of discretion in counting ballots. So some counties were allowing undated ballots to be signed, some were not. And so when you're when, you know, different counties are doing different things and sort of each vote is being considered differently and weighed differently, then you're you are going to see these 14th Amendment equal protection challenges. But, um, you know, whether or not that was legitimate or not, I, I have no opinion except for to note that, it you know, I, I think it's reasonable for the case to be brought on that basis. But clearly the court preferred to wade into materiality. So I assume that the court figured that materiality was easier. It's just that the court so screwed up the materiality that um, <laughs> I no longer trust uh, their their decision making. And this is in Pennsylvania state court. Or no, it's a district court. OK, so. Um, yeah. These these this is not the end of the road. You've got materiality cases in Texas right now, Wisconsin, Florida, just everywhere. I guess, you know, one thing you mentioned earlier is this isn't a case where on the ballot it it said, you know, for this to be counted, you have to say how many months old you are or something like that. But but if I'm if I'm reading this this law correctly. That that wouldn't matter either. That the that the state of Pennsylvania could say uh, you have to include how many days old you are at this point, and if it's not correct, then your ballot doesn't count. Now that wouldn't necessarily be. I can't I can't imagine necessarily that being a a civil rights or other sort of thing because I wouldn't think that would target. I wouldn't know how many days old I am. It has nothing to do with my race or you know or anything like that. So I guess I'm wondering: is there? We haven't really talked about this. Is there are there any sort of provisions that you could put on the ballot itself that would be so, I don't know, obnoxious, onerous that it would that they would on the face of it be uh, on, you know, that a court would say, no, you can't do that. It seems to me that at least under this, there's there's really nothing. It would just be a matter of this would not be a wise thing to do. It might depress turnout. And I guess this was less of an issue back in the day when most people just went to a polling place and voted because there weren't these issues about, well, how do we certify your ballot is your ballot and you are you and that kind of thing. Jay, you you haven't weighed in on this yet. What do you think? I haven't yet. No, um, um, I, I would uh, tend to say with me, hey, look, just on the, the merits of this thing. Yeah, materiality 
Um, they're not talking about a qualification. Um, it's it's talking about are you are you voting within the uh, uh, you know time, term of the election? So um, I I tend to agree wholeheartedly on that, and uh, I, I do think the court got it wrong. Um, are there things you could require uh, that would go to materiality? Um, maybe. Um, but again, it would seem kind of weird to do so. I mean, the, the biggest piece of it is, you know, clarifying and, and uh, uh, certifying that you are who you say you are uh, when you actually vote. Um, and I don't think that's, uh, again, I don't think that falls within the materiality piece of, of the, the statute. I think that falls into to voting, right? That's part of the same thing as if you show up in person and they ask for an ID or, or something like that. Um, which again, some people think is onerous and, and, uh, other people like most Ohioans think is fine. Um, so yeah, no, I, you know, this is one of those, I, I, I can't say I have any real super strong feelings on this. Um, uh, it, it's one of those things that this is one of those cases that, uh, I, I don't think, does this turn elections? Uh, no. Does it open the door for potential mischief by, uh, as we were talking about before, weird local officials? Well, maybe. Um, and, and does it, uh, 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 I guess add to, you know, potential confusion or distrust of the voting process? Uh, maybe. And therefore, I think it's, it's bad from a, a policy standpoint. So, um, you know, I, yeah, well, I, I, more broadly, I guess I'm wondering because this was this materiality clause was written in, I think, 1965 was the last uh, update on this. And, and I wonder if given the fact that we vote many Americans, millions of Americans vote in a very different way now than they did in the 1960s or 70s or 80s, really, that do, do you guys feel that federal law on voting rights qualifications, that sort of thing is just not kept up with the way people vote? Because it seems to me that a lot of this is really designed for in-person voting, which was by far the predominant way back then. And so do we need updated federal law on this? And especially I think about 2020 and just everything that happened with with COVID-related regulations and then just more people wanting to vote you know, uh, uh, through mail or wanting to do other forms of uh, alternatives to in-person voting. You or were voting like the drive through thing at like two in the morning where you could go. Well, and, but, yeah. but, but I mean, <laughs> but that's my point, right, is that federal law was written before any of that was a thing. Or is it just, well, no, we don't need federal law. We should have the states figure this out because states are the ones that, you know, control the time, place and manner or should at least have the main role. that the local Congress can obviously legislate on that under the Constitution. Yeah. I would say I would say the latter, right? Uh, unless it it is, you know, is, is like we said, sort of the, the civil rights type question. Um, but I don't think I don't think uh, any of this rises now. I certainly I, I would say it's probably going to be cast as that, uh, right? Just because that's that's the way that these things tend to be. But um, no, I, I think uh, state law ought to be clear. And, and if a state says, "Hey, we uh, when you send in your your ballot, we'd like you to date it to make sure that you're voting actually, you know, before the election. Um, I, I don't think that's unfair or unreasonable. Yeah. So the RNC actually pointed out a case where they did identify somebody who shouldn't be voting because she was voting for her dead mother. So she got her her mom's ballot and then and dated it. And of course, the date exposed that the mom was dead. Uh, so, you know, that there 
it's not like a dating requirement is totally crazy. So I think a couple of, of responses to Mike, which is one, you know, some of these very egregious voting restrictions, you, you know, just because the materiality provision doesn't have anything to say about that doesn't mean that, you know, the First Amendment Anderson verdict framework, which basically measures the burden uh, that a voting law requires on its reason. So uh, there are things that are burdensome, but they have a good reason. Something like tell me how many months you are for no reason would probably not survive that. And that that's one of the, I think the mischief of the Mark Elias crew is that they're trying to invent, they're trying to bring tools to, to be used in ways that they're not supposed to be used. And I just think that there are a, a lot of problems there. But then, you know, question number two, should we have more federal controls? Like, conservatives i think are not of of one mind here because on one hand we are we want our our local governments to have control over local elections some people might want you to register with a wet signature some might say electronic is fine and and both should be equally you know why should the federal government come in and and speak specifically to that but on the other hand, um, I think you saw this with the amicus brief that actually Mike Johnson, our Speaker of the House, wrote, which is if you have such flimsy rules in your state that I don't trust your outcomes, um, you know, do we that? That seems to disenfranchise the people in my community because if you're letting non citizens vote, for example, or or you might not be letting them, but you simply don't have the the checks to to find non citizen votes. Then that dilutes votes nationwide. That affects my people, and so maybe. So I think it's tough um, because there mail in voting cannot be a free for all. There's just too much risk uh, for mischief that allowing a full free-for-all is is not positive. And, and of course, while I'd prefer the people to, at their state level, say, oh, this, this is chaotic and I don't like it and I think we should cut back, or, or secretaries of state to, like, have the wherewithal to say, I'm going to do something that's very politically unpopular, but, like, we got to do it to get trust back in our elections. You know, the idea of having some federal um, involvement is I don't think a unified conservative position. I think there's sort of people are of two minds. And, and it works on it's it's the same argument on both sides, right? Because on the right, you you make that argument, well, the 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 laws are too flimsy and so we don't trust the result. And many of us on the left say, well, the laws in some places are too restrictive and therefore we have people being disenfranchised in effect and we don't trust the result. And so I mean you can find pokes on both the right and the left are saying, yes, we need we need uniform legislation, though you guys would want it to be much more restrictive and I would want it to probably be much more more open. And that hence, hence lies the problem, which goes back to Jay's point, I think, saying that, well, maybe it's better to just kind of let a, a thousand flowers bloom or something like that in various jurisdictions. I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. No, I get I get where May's coming from of, of should there be some sort of federal protection to prevent against a, a overall vote dilution? Um, and this would be a place where conservatives are of two minds. And and I, I, my sense is um, any federal remedy would probably just make things worse. Uh, and then once the federal government's into it, um, uh, it's hard to get the federal government out of it. 
and and I I, I would th- see things just sort of going going badly, going downhill, um, and moving towards towards more free for all, right? As opposed to uh, um, a greater let's let's say uh, accountability. So. We hope you enjoyed this preview of our supporters-exclusive midweek show. If you'd like to hear the rest of the episode, we hope you'll consider becoming a supporter. Supporters get ad-free access to all of our shows, membership in our Politics Guys Discord group where you can join in on the conversation, and other benefits at different levels of support. To become a supporter, go to patreon.com slash politicsguys. You can also support us through Venmo or at politicsguys or through PayPal. You'll find all of our support links in the show notes as well as at politicsguys.com slash support. And if you'd like to get the midweek show, but you're not in a position to become a financial supporter, that's not a problem. Just send me an email at mike at politicsguys.com and I'll be happy to get that set up for you.